Welcome to the Black Freelance Podcast, your home base for community, content, and strategy that will help you take control of your lifestyle design and build freedom into your professional career. Welcome to episode four of the Black Freelance Podcast. I'm Megan, and I keep things running around here. This episode, we've got a really interesting conversation with Melissa Thompson, disability activist and freelance writer, trainer, consultant. Melissa does a little bit of everything, but in a way that gels together under the umbrella of macro social work. Apologies for a few bumps in the internet connection, but give it a listen to learn how she's handled employment challenges, how the pandemic changed her goal of full-time public speaking, and how freelancing is supporting her mental health with everything going on. So I'm not going to keep you waiting. Here's Melissa. Melissa, how is everything going? Everything's going good, Megan. It's um, it's the pandemic. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's very the pandemic. <laughs> very the pandemic. We're six months in, and before we started, you know, I'm about to celebrate my birthday, which I was not expecting to do during a pandemic. Birthday. But Happy here we birthday. are. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but here we are. We're making the most of it. The exactly. best way we can. Exactly. And I think you're, you're in a situation like me where it's, it hasn't been, a, it's been a change. It's been a change, but it hasn't been a, a huge change like it has for a lot of people. Right. You know, with my work, uh, when I had started my activism and then when I started working full time, it's all been online. So work for home has been my jam. So mm-hmm. I think the biggest transition is realizing that everybody's at home yeah. <laughs> and seeing yeah. everybody at home and they're adjusting to life at home with their um, partner, spouses, other families, their kids, and also seeing the school transition with the kids as well. That's been the biggest thing to witness right now. Yeah, that's that's been a lot. Like, I know a lot of my clients, are, it's been, like, honestly, like, the biggest transition is helping them, you know, and adjusting to them adjusting. That's That's been, like, a whole thing. Right, right, right. And also just seeing you know, how organizations and companies are adjusting Mm -hmm. their in-person world or at the office world to virtual with conferences and other events that they're now having to shift online. And I think that some of them are not realizing that this is going to be the way for a while. It's not just going to be 2020. It's going to be 2021 as well. And possibly 2022 depends on how things go with the election and then with a vaccine and all of that, right? So, so tell me, how did you get? How did you get into freelancing? Like, what's your what's your freelancing backstory? Yeah, so I kind of got into it a little bit by accident. Um, Ten years ago, I went to grad school thinking that I was going to become a therapist, and that has not been my trajectory over the past ten years. Um, when I graduated in 2012 with my master's in social work, I started to a blog from a social work angle about disability issues to kind of fill my time, you know, as I was job hunting. And a year later, I created my blog and organization, Rack Your Voice, as a way to expand upon that uh, to discuss disability from a more intersectional lens as a Black disabled woman, as well as keeping the social worker aspect in there and just my perspective of the way that I view the world and how the world responds and views me views me and others that look like me. So it just kind of happened by accident with blogging and then coming into a space that I saw that lacked the diversity of perspectives and how, you know, I just saw a way to fill that. And then it just kind of created a life on its own from there. What kind of 
freelancing do you do? So are you are you writing in the disability space? Are you are you doing like consulting? What is that? What does that look like? I do a little bit of everything. You know, I call myself, you know, a Jill of all trades, a master <laughs> of one with social work. Um I do writing that, you know, that's kind of my start with the blogging. Um definitely with writing. Um right now I took a writing gig for about six months with the outlet. They haven't announced it yet, but um took it with the outlet that I'd be centering general justice with them. Um, I do uh, free match writing for different outlets in case somebody asks me to write on a topic or I send out a pitch, but I also do clubby speaking. And I started doing that around the time I created Ramp Your Voice in 2013. I started to give presentations at social work conferences, which was a very kind of low key way of, dipping my toes into the speaking world without it being so scary. It was among colleagues. It was kind of a safe space and allowed me to get a feel of what topics people may want to hear about. Um, When I would submit these proposals to conduct workshops, I would do them from a lens of a social worker who has this disability identity and wants to talk about disability issues, which was something that a lot of these spaces were not used to getting, which allowed my proposal pitch to be accepted. So I was still in unknowing to me, uh, filling in this gap within my own profession of a perspective. Because when people talk about disability, it's usually from a very clinical setting, mm-hmm. disabled. So they have this very medical model, um, charity model at times, very clinically based understanding of disability and where they talk about it. And it's not really from the vein of the activism community of, of this population. So I was just able to really fill in this necessary gap, you know, and just learn how to do public speaking, how to create presentations. What does that look like? And that kind of led me to becoming a clinical professional who handles my bookings when it comes to speaking at universities, organizations, and so forth. But in, in addition to that, I also do um, consulting work either for individuals. I have a client who's a lawyer who's figuring out her social media angle because um, I have a background in digital managing from the full-time work that I used to do mm-hmm. as a digital manager. And having my own platform allowed me to gather tools about social media, blogging, how to do website, you know, when it comes to adding content on them, you know, doing that for myself allowed me to build up these skills to do digital managing. So I have this one client who I um, am assisting her with her branding and what does she want her online presence look like as a lawyer who um, centers disability discrimination. And also I'm working with organizations about different disability um, issues. Some want to un- understand more about disability rights, disability justice. Some want to understand more about accessibility, especially during these times where everything is online and organizations are figuring out how to reach the audiences as well as be accessible with their content, with their events, so that no one is being left behind. So, you know, definitely doing more of the consulting and the training in these times of the pandemic, which I think people are really getting more in tune with. And, you know, so, you know, just really, you know, just being into just trying new things, you know, within all of these schools, with the writing, speaking, consulting, training, just figuring out how they can all kind of mesh together 
um, in some ways. Because sometimes they do kind of, you know, come together if I'm being sought after for one thing, but organization may realize, oh, you have this skill set, let's add this to what you're doing. So right now my my four primary areas are finding ways to blend together, um, which is great for me because that means more content being done, more work is being done. Also, you know, getting money too, you know, in the time yep. of pay. So that's just kind of um, how my career has evolved over these past seven years, really. You have, because we didn't really start talking on Twitter until maybe a couple of years ago, but you, you've changed my opinion on quite a few things because what you just described um, you know, just the way that your career has shaped, you know, probably two years ago, I would have been like, I, I wouldn't have understood how that worked. Um, so especially from a speaking perspective, because when I first started thinking about freelancing, I, like speaking, like in my world, is kind of something you use for marketing. It's not really its own thing. So tell, t- talk a little bit, if you can, about how speaking fits into like your income plan and, and just in your freelance work in general. Yes. You know, speaking wasn't really in my plans at all. Um, I have my mentor who was a professor in my grad program. She really got me to really think about macro social work. I consider myself a macro social worker. I look at Mm. the way systems impact people and communities and how people and communities react to those systems. So within macro social work, you do have advocacy. You do have political work that you do. And I know I've been politically involved this year with certain campaigns. and you know, you have the education piece, which I love to do. And that's kind of what speaking for me is. When I do either panels, presentations, workshops, you know, that educational piece is so important. And that's something that really drives me. Um, I do a lot of what I call disability one-on-one discussions. Mm-hmm. Because I feel that a lot of people are at ground zero in their understanding of disability. Definitely. From not just an intersectional lens, but also from a community lens and understanding who who is this community? Who is a part of this community? You know, what issues do they have that's not leaning into stereotypes or tropes that people typically think of when it comes to disability? So in speaking, I do a lot of educating in what I do, you know, and give a lot of room for people to ask the questions that they may be scared to ask, or they may think that it's silly to ask. So I think for me, you know, speaking wasn't a part of my plans of all, I really am not somebody who um, desires to do public speaking, but I am good at it. Um, so I, you know, really lean into the things that I may be, maybe a little scared to do, but find out that, oh yeah, I can do this. Okay. Let me, you know, figure out a way to make this not just marketable, but also impactful to those who are listening to my words or seeing my presentation and, making sure that they're getting what I want them to get out of it. So, you know, speaking is a lot about preparation. It's a lot about figuring out what is your end goal here. You know, if I'm talking about um, employment and disability, what do I want those who are in positions of power to think about disabled people who desire to work? And also the way that capitalism impacts that, Mm -hmm. you know, that whole sense of being worthy to work because some people cannot work. So what does that mean if you're a disabled person cannot work? How do you see your worth in a capitalistic society? You know, so just really getting them to think about these things. Um, I know that especially now with the pandemic, I've been talking about, you know, the whole shift to work from home and how disabled people, we've been doing that. Yep. <laughs> you know, this yeah. isn't new for us at all. Right. Um, and I think some of the frustrations that the community has had is not just seeing the shift, but this openness that many of us 
did not encounter when we desired to work from home or go to school from home and the resistance to that and the ableism that we faced because of that. So that's been a lot of conversation about you know, these different shifts that I've been talking about in interviews that people uh, reached out to me about, particularly during like the first half of the pandemic. And they're just really talking about how you know we've been here. We've been doing this. Yeah. We understand the value of technology. We utilize technology well. And how particularly the labor force has been reluctant and neglected to retain disabled talent. And what has that meant to the collective society? So, you know, you know speaking about different things has just allowed me to have a very diverse portfolio of what I can discuss, what I can be a part of. And I really like that because it keeps me fresh. You know, I don't really want to be nailed down to one thing. That's really not how I am as a person. I like having a variety of interests because it keeps me motivated to continue to learn and to continue to hone my skills and um, and just really be more effective and be able to reach different audiences. I know that one thing I love to do is talking to different spaces like um, during the Americans with Disabilities Act anniversary in July, I got to talk to one of the favorite astrologers that I follow on Twitter about the ADA's birth chart. So it's just like having that kind of diversity of, you know, being somebody who's into astrology and being able to combine my interest in astrology with disability rights, you know, just a nice little, you know, uh, place to land in being able to have a diversity in the topics and the speaking that I'm able to do. So like I say, it wasn't a part of my plan at all, but I've learned how to fine tune it and continue to do that to to do that and to be seen as somebody who can talk a little bit about everything. I don't have to be the owner of a lot, a lot of topics, but I can be very strong in my ability to discuss them in a way that allows people to look at the different angles that they're not considering. What what you're talking about is so important because I, I there's so like so many of like the really like surprising freelance stories, like when somebody's talking like, oh, you know, I just got into freelancing and oh, my career just kind of emerged. They come from a space where you've established an expertise and you put yourself out there and then people start to recognize you. And that's kind of the foundation of how you build relationships and get new clients and even discover new ways to new services to present as a freelancer. Yes. You know, and I feel like for me, I have, a background in social work. And that's a very um, underrated background. And I say it's yeah. underrated because people consider social workers as one thing. We, you know, we do child protective services, you know, and right. that's not all that we do. Like social workers can really be in whatever field that you allow us to, you know, if you would just broaden your understanding of what we do as a profession. And I think that being a macro social worker, I think I have that freedom to do that. I can talk about advocacy. I can talk about politics. I can talk about education. Um, you know, I can talk about these variety of issues and be able to bring them down to those kind of micro social work areas like childcare, you know, like what healthcare and, you know, um, dealing with, you know, our educational system and things of that nature. So I think that having that background in social work where I had to learn how people work, and how systems work just really gave me a broader understanding of the way that I can move and how I can make those connections. Um, I have a bachelor's in psychology, which I do love, but I see, 
you know, kind of limitations in that. You know, I think that social work for me is so broad in our scope and how we're able to take a little bit of everything from everywhere, like from sociology and psychology and, of course, our particular field and just really have this unique perspective that I think other fields do not and be able to have a set of skills that is transferable. I really feel that social work is one of those transferable helping professionals uh, fields that people sleep on. So would you say most of your network and your market is more kind of in the social work side or a disability, disability advocacy or kind of like a blend? Where, where is like, where are you building most of your relationships as a freelancer? Honestly, my relationships are kind of all over the place. Um, all right. of course, I'm in, <laughs> you know, social work and disability spaces, but I'm in blurred spaces. I'm in writing spaces. I think the thing I've done is just be that true jewel of all trades. Mm-hmm. Like I can kind of blend in, like I can see what's going on in the community and just kind of just be an observer. And I really take that as, you know, something from my psychology background is observing people and assessing, but also how I am as, you know, innately just observing what are people talking about? Like, for example, in blurred spaces, you know, understanding that, oh yeah, there are, disabled comic book characters you know Mm -hmm. let's look at how they're depicted in comic books or how they're depicted in movies and what the ableism angles are in their spaces and also looking at who are in these spaces the the nerds and blurs themselves um i always um discuss how i've been in blurred spaces blurred for those who may be unfamiliar blurred is black nerd spaces Mm -hmm. for about um about maybe four years and just seeing the evolution of that space particularly on twitter of the Black women and Black men that I follow and how just my presence there has allowed them to be more open about their disabilities. Because I remember being in space and nobody was really talking about their mental health or their chronic illnesses or anything like that until me and a couple other disabled blurs start getting into the space of talking about disabled characters or just talking about disability in general and just really seeing this openness to really be like, yeah, you know, I have, you know, a mental illness or I have, you know, this disability or, you know, kind of learn how to really make this a part of my identity. And that's so cru- crucial. You know, sometimes it's not always about the work that you do. Sometimes it's about the way that you do it and how mm-hmm. people view you and how you do things ethically, morally, you know, in certain spaces and just how you live. You know, it's nothing special that you have to do to be a representative for people or rep- or allow them to learn from you by kind of osmosis of just kind of watching you just live your truth. So I really feel that a lot of my work isn't just about the actual work. It's just about the way that I am and just how people just watch that and just take in whatever they see that I'm discussing or doing and see how it fits within, you know, within who they are and what work that they're doing. Cause I know I have a lot of friends that tell me like, you know, your work has really influenced how I talk about disability or how I relate to people in my family with, you know, certain, you know, conditions or illnesses and how I even talk about it with myself. And, you know, that's just really impactful to know that your work and just your existence is shaping and reshaping how people understand an identity that isn't really understood well. Um, and it's not because people with these identities are not living their life authentically. It's just that society doesn't take the time to unlearn a lot of the misconceptions about 
different communities and to really embrace the differences that people have to really see them fully or holistically, as we say in social work. Would you say that freelancing has expanded that reach at all? I think so. I think that, at least for me, you know, I'm able to get into certain spaces that that would not be talking about disability if some of us weren't seen. So I really think that freelancing is shaping how a lot of a lot of spaces, um, movement spaces, uh, advocacy, nonprofit, for profit, and so forth, are thinking about disability. You know, think about how their um, organizations handle disability when it comes to employment and the work culture, who they're hiring, to if they if their missions impacts society and communities, you know, are they including a disability lens in their framework? You know, or are they, you know, or, or on a personal level, are they realizing that, hey, you know, these illnesses that I have qualify as a disability. Yeah. This is this is an identity. You know, let me look more into that. You know, this is part of who I am and not feel either ashamed or or othering that part of who they are. So I think that freelancing is, you know, it's a very freeing ability to touch people with situations either directly or indirectly in a way that really reshape who and how they function and how they are and reshape them in a way that in many cases has been um, terribly needed. Let's let's circle back around to something you brought up earlier about your your employment experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a situation where you, you know, we talked about this a while back, where you were given two options yes. by your employer about your job mm-hmm. that you could either move to Seattle, I think it was, or take a severance. Right. So how how did how did that impact you? Right. So I had well, I started to work. Um, full-time at the end of 2016 at one job until I got with the current employer that you're referring to. And I started to work because um, my grandmother um, was sick and when she had dementia, dementia progressed and she passed away. So I figured, okay, now that, you know, she has passed away and I'm living at home, have to have means to really take care of myself. I was on Social Security, so that's not going to be enough. So, of course, now it's time to work because, you know, at that point, I was being her caregiver full time. So, in looking for jobs, I was was looking for jobs where I can use the skills I already had built. I knew I really didn't want to do traditional social work jobs because that would be a little bit complicated. A lot of social work work jobs are... Unintentionally ableist um, in their requirements of having a car, being able to go to houses, particularly if you do traditional social work, mm-hmm. um, and being a wheelchair user and living in the South. Transportation can be very tricky. You know, people's houses are not built with ramps. So, you know, I was very limited within my own profession as to what type of jobs I can acquire particularly if they require being out in the field. So for me, it was better to do online work. And I applied for a position to be a digital manager. Because I'm a blogging, I was familiar with, you know, website content, um, 
doing the back end of like WordPress and things like that, handling different social media platforms. So I had, you know, amassed these different skill sets that was unrelated to my degree that I went to school for, but allowed me to be marketable in a new way. So I applied to be a digital manager position. I had that for two and a half years. And last fall, I was approached with, you know, with these um, two options to keep my job or be given a severance package because the program I was working for decided to shift gears in its focus. And I was told that they could not justify keeping me remote with this shift. So it had to be one or the other. And honestly, Megan, at that time, I was getting burnt out. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of things that I saw that I was unha- unhappy with. And I was unhappy with this job. And during the time that I was being told of these two options, the answer to me, for me, was automatically no. <laughs> I live in South Carolina. I'm not about to move all across the country for a job yeah. where what I was being paid was fine for South Carolina would not have been fine for Seattle. Yeah. So I just took it as a leap or roll of faith and was like, you know what? Let me get out while I can. You're going to pay me to be out. That's fine by me. Let me just take my chances and do this freelance thing full time. Because I have a full time work, but the freelance life kind of had to be the side hustle. Um, right. And so, you know, at this point, I already had an agent to handle my speaking things. You know, my profile you know, as a activist and writer and such was growing. And I just felt that it was the time. You know, this was my way to get out, get out and not look back. And it'll be a year in November. Beautiful. I, I have not looked back. And when I tell you this has been glorious. <laughs> Love it. It has been glorious. Like, I was scared. Like, I don't, I'm a Virgo through and through, you know, son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am not just making chances haphazardly. I am just too Virgo in for that. But I just felt that if I don't do it now, I win. Exactly. Know? Exactly. I'm, like I said, I'll be 35. I don't have any kids. I'm not married. I can take these type of leaps still while I'm still young ish. <laughs> you know, I can still take these, um, leaps and just see what happens and I think the most assuring thing about saying no was that the no felt right it right. felt right to do right. and I wasn't scared because I thought I would be like I was nervous I'm not going to lie say I wasn't nervous but I wasn't scared because I feel like this was the time and my ancestors got me they got me this far they're not going to leave me hanging exactly so when the option presented itself, I was like, you know what, this is my time to go. And I don't have to go on my own. You are, are allowing me to go with money and <laughs> and a pretty decent deal. Why the heck not? So, you know, over this past year, really pretty much all of 2020 had just been me kind of floating alone, but, you know, floating alone down a nice stream, you know, haven't hit any rocks, thankfully. <laughs> Besides the pandemic, but, you know, but that's everybody. <laughs> but how big a deal is that though? Like, like if you met you, you've gone through. You know, you're basically a new full time freelancer, and you've gone through a, the worst, hopefully, of a pandemic as a new freelancer, and you're okay. You know, I think that the, the only thing that the pandemic has really thrown a monkey wrench in for me 
was traveling because my yeah. biggest thing was doing the public speaking for a time. You know, that was my main thing I wanted to do. However, nobody's traveling, <laughs> which was for right reasons. So I had to kind of shift that. But I think that all of us are in this shift. So I think it was a very communal shift that we're doing, but it allowed me to be open to different things and not just center the speaking aspect. You know, it allowed me to think about more writing. Yeah. Um, it allowed me to also see that these jobs are unprepared because I did apply. <laughs> I, I, I did apply for one position that somebody told me about and I was approached by a position and neither was a good fit. Um, the one that I applied to, I actually got, but I realized how it's unrealistic the organization was when it comes to the pandemic. Uh-huh. And I'm like, nah, I don't want to, nah, nah, I'm good. And I just realized that this is really the season <laughs> that I just need to be on my own. And after I said that, no, I got a great freelance project that I did for the entire summer exactly. that paid me really well. And I got to do some really good work with the organization and just really seeing their shift and understanding disability and I'm like, you know, this is what I need to do. So I think that the pandemic just really showed me that this is a season for me to be freelance, to be free and not be tied down to an employer, for me to be um, confident in that and to really be a stickler for that. Yeah, because so I, oh, go ahead. No, so I, because I think that's the main lesson for me for the pandemic is to be free. Yeah, because they, there are so many employers who, who, like you said, they are not ready and they weren't ready for the pandemic to hit. But on a larger level, they aren't ready to navigate the way the world is changing over time. People's markets are changing, their products need to change, their customer base needs to change. And this is, it's something where if you are, when you're freelance, you can kind of adjust and say, okay, this is, I need to go ABC. Of course, we have to figure that out. It's difficult, but we can do it. When you're employed, you're kind of at somebody else's mercy and hoping that they are going to make the right businesses decisions that will keep your job important enough for them to keep investing, you know, full-time salary in you. Yes. And I think that's the thing that I'm glad that I am freelancing right now because I think that's what has really cut my mental health the way that it is because I'm not beholden to somebody else's decisions. You know, I am the decider of what I do next, what I take on. And I think having that freedom, you know, has been instrumental in a, in a world where we don't have, you know, much say as to what's going on. It's yeah. nice to be in the house, say in that. And I think that has really kept me afloat, you know, to not really be in the um, doldrums about what's going on, you know, in the world that's outside of my control. At least I have this element I can't control. I can't say yes and no the different projects and different people and organizations that fit right for me at this time, or I can shift things, you know, um, because my fall is pretty much lining up pretty well. I'm not trying to get burnt out. And I can also center myself too. Mm-hmm. The whole self-care element is tremendous right now for me. Um, I had a very busy summer with that big project. And now as we go into fall, I'm like, you know what? I don't mind being, busy but I don't want to be overworked so let me space things out let me move things to the winter people are okay with that and most people are um so I'm like you know what I can say when I want to work and you can either fall in line or you can get somebody else (laughs) and I feel like I have to be you know on 
on deadline with everything. Um, see, and this is something we were talking about on Twitter, setting setting new boundaries just for the yes. pandemic. And you've you I mean, you just touched on quite a few, but you you've set some really important ones. Yes, I think the main thing is that I'm not taking on work that I don't want to do. Yes, I'm not taking on work that doesn't pay me well. You know, it's a pandemic. Mm-hmm. We have an incredibly high unemployment rate. This is not the time to be skimping on freelancers, whether it's writing, speaking, consulting, training, whatever you want them to do. Pay people their rates. And yeah. for those of us in this work, do not lower your rates to meet the cheap demands. Because people mm-hmm. also, let's not think that employers are not trying to get over on freelancers. Oh, they are. They, they are, are their employees, you know. So being stern about my rate is my rate and I'm not lowering it. In fact, I increase, you know, especially since I've seen that people want trainings and consulting more so than speaking, definitely raising the rates for that. Um, and also, like I said, spreading things out, giving myself time. You know, right now, as we recording this, I'm on my birthday staycation and I realized, wow, I need to take more time off. So let me plan out how my holiday season is going to look, you know, how long I want to take off for the Christmas break and Thanksgiving break and how how much breaks do I want to take you know, in the next year to get that rest in? Because I think that's the one thing that I love is just having my time back and not being on anybody else's time. I can make my own schedule. And I really like that type of freedom. It's all about freedom for me. This mm-hmm. is that freedom that I wasn't getting as an employee. And don't get me wrong, like, you know, am I going? Am I a little worried about my taxes next year? Yeah, I am. Yeah, <laughs> but, right? Yeah, but that's that's, no, that's totally <laughs> normal though, especially because you just started full time. That's like completely normal. Right, right. But you know, I can handle that. You know, exactly. but, you know. But I just feel that, especially now with this pandemic, I just I know that if I had either my old job or another job, I would not be happy with where I am. You know, just with the state of the world and then having the demands of other people you know, that I have to answer to. I just think that's just one less stressor for me to deal with that I'm grateful for. Little timing is everything. And I just feel that for me, this is the right time to be freelance. And I know that, you know, from the conversations that we've engaged with on Twitter and just things that I've seen you talk about, this is the time to really be glad that you have that control as a freelancer. So what would you say is your advice to other freelancers, like lessons you've learned since you've gotten started? What would you tell everybody else? I say that if there is an idea that you have, start now. Even Mm -hmm. if you have a full-time job, if you have a passion that you want to do, you want to write, you want to create art, you know, start it now. You know, there's nothing wrong with having those things as, you know, a passion project and that can become the main source of income. Um, think outside of the box. You know, I think this is a time to where we're all taking risks. <laughs> you know, yeah. nothing is on track like it was in January or February. So don't be scared to take risks. You know, be open to different things. Um, if you're unhappy with your job, make an exit plan. Mm. Um, if you're a freelancer, raise your rates. Mm-hmm. Um, take those vacations. You know, take days off. You know, I just feel that don't be so tied to anything. You know, 
be be willing to float a little bit, you know, not no haphazardly to where you're hitting every rock, you mm-hmm. know, on the stream, but you know, look at areas in which you may feel stuck or you may feel like, gosh, this is so bland. You know, look into those areas and figure out, okay, how can I put a little bit more, more life into it? How can I be a little bit more creative? Do those things. And also take some rest. I don't know if you follow the nap um, ministry. I do. But honey, that resting is so critical, especially now, you know, with the pandemic. So, you know, we're all under stress. We're all experiencing trauma you know, some more than others right now. And that self-care, you know, that self, you know, preservation, those have to be priorities. It cannot be back burners. No, I so, that's one lesson I've learned recently, because I'm, I'll admit, I am not very good at napping. I have nap problems, but I've gotten a lot better because, because I forced myself a lot, thanks to what I've, you know, what following the nap ministry, I've had to force myself, but it makes a huge difference. It does. And also unplugging too. I've been yes. doing better at that. Getting off social media. There's nothing wrong with knowing what's happening, but let's be honest, the news cycle is depressing. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so much to take in every day throughout the day. So unplug, have days to where, you know, if you're able to carve out a day during the week where you're not looking online, do that. Or if you have a certain time that you want to be off during the evenings or weekends, do that. You know, I think that has really helped my mental state too. Too, I know enough to know what's going on, but I'm not constantly being bombarded 24 hours yes. a day, and that makes a difference because there's some things again, there's some things that's just completely out of out of my control. For me, I'm centering what I can control, and I can't control what I take in. I can't control when I rest and how I rest. I can control now that I'm freelancer, what work I take on, what I don't, what partnerships I do, what I don't, you know, when it comes to my relationships, you know, what relationships are feeding me, what relationships are draining me, yes. make those adjustments. Just take control of what you can do. And everything else, at least for me, will fall into place. It may not fall, fall exactly how you want, but it will fall into place, you know, in a way that's good for you. But take that control and and just live, just breathe, find ways to breathe, especially, you know, we not only have the pandemic, but we also have the uprisings too, so, you know, especially as black folks. It's been an incredible summer, you know. Just, and, just the summer. You can't even say the whole year. Just, no, the, just summer. the summer. You know, so I especially am urging black people who are listening to this, take your rest. Yes. Take time to unplug. Take time to love on yourself and love on those that you have in your life that pour into you and you pour into them. Take that. That's how we're going to, in some ways, survive. Yeah. However long this whole situation lasts, it's how we're going to, you know, just take care of each other in the best ways that we can. Um, so yeah, I think all of that would be the advice I would give. You know, whether new freelancers, those who are considering it, those who may be a little scared, you know, just you know, just take what you know fits you where you are and just be good to you. I think that's been my thing this year especially this summer, being good to me and figuring out what that looks like and then doing it. That is is beautiful advice for everybody at any stage, like you said. Melissa, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you so much, Meg. I know we've talked before and I always enjoy our conversation. I know. I'm going to have you back too. We got, you touched on a lot of stuff that I want to talk about again. We'll we'll narrow things down next time. So thank you again. Thank you so much. 
Interested in starting or improving your own freelance career? Whatever your skill, come by blackfreelance.com and sign up for the monthly newsletter to start sculpting your best freelance strategy. Mm-hmm.